Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful humans. We got Dan here. Hello. And we welcome to the studio, Noah Carr. All right. Hey, hey. Thanks oh. for having me, yo. Yo, living. You want to sit back? You look, uh... I'm chilling, man. You I'm look chilling. anxious. Are you sure? <laughs> oh, I'm always anxious. But if I sit back, I'm going to be too relaxed. <laughs> you know, I'm, be th- I'm, on my, I'm thinking of my feet over here. <laughs> you got to be on your toes. Always, man. We're very stressful people. We bring it out and... Fight or flight. <laughs> all day. Is that really your mentality? Yeah, pretty much. Except it's always it's a straight flight every time, and then I fight later when I'm in the shower and thinking about what happened in my head. <laughs> <laughs> the fight you wish you could have had. Yeah, and I win every time. It's great. Are you that kind of person? Do you live a lot in your head? Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, you mind if I speak much? You mind if I take this? You can do whatever you want. I'm chewing yeah, my head now with no, this earphone. No, you get it. <laughs> um, you can turn it off. Yeah, I think I do live in my head a bit. Um, just like I'm pretty anxious, kind of overthinking guy. Um, but. Uh, you know, music and stuff allows me to step out of that a little bit. So, but do those overthinking thoughts turn into records? For sure, yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of the music's kind of just perseveration in my brain that I try to write down and get little pieces of what I'm thinking out, and um, and in doing that, I kind of create the songs and also have a little catharsis for my uh, anxiety. I get like it, it's an escape, like a healing thing. Yeah, it is. It has been recently. You know, I kind of have found a lane in which I'm able to write. Um, down my feelings and have people relate to them uh, and in doing so I'm able to create a product that is a uh, I can put out into the world that not only helps me deal with my own feelings but helps other people connect to their own and uh, kind of share from mine what record of yours means the like embodies that the most um I think I think probably my song mess uh, it's a new single I have out but I wrote it at a time when I was in uh, kind of turmoil and I was just really overwhelmed by what was going on in my life and I was kind of thrust into this kind of crazy, weird year of success with success of a song, Hurt Somebody, which did really well. Yeah. And I was traveling all the time. And, you know, I wasn't really getting these real life experiences that I um, draw so much inspiration from. And I was I was kind of down in the dumps. And I just like was, was like, you know, I'm just going to write a song just for me, um, just for my own kind of catharsis. And I ended up writing the song and it actually ended up connecting with a lot of different people, which was cool. So something that kind of brought me out of a negative time um, and kind of. I was able to prove to myself with that song that I could, you know, write down my feelings and escape from myself within um, the context of songwriting and music. That is, is it proof that you can be successful to hurt somebody and still have the ability to find yourself and still create music? Like, were you worried about that, being so successful and losing that sense of ground that's needed to write music that relates to everybody? For sure, yeah. I, I, just, I kind of just wasn't having any experiences that were not somewhat scheduled or manufactured and um, monotonous. So I was kind of, and not, not that I was not grateful for the success and the travel and the mm-hmm. ability to see the world and play in front of big crowds and meet people and do promo and stuff like that. I was just, I wasn't ready for the reality of doing that all the time and how much it would take. And um, I think it had kind of a, a, a kind of a dis- disorienting effect on um, my mindset in terms of being grounded and being humble. So it was like the promotion and everything and going around meeting people and everybody looking at you like you're this. It was just a lot of me all the time. And uh, yeah. You know, I thought that I could handle all the me stuff and all the kind of attention, and um, I think it manifested in, in some troubling ways, and I had to like, kind of take a second to think about um, what my life was like and what I valued, and so, uh, I wanted to write songs about that. How do you change that moving forward? Because you can't really release music and not promote it or go around and... Do you get what I'm saying? Like Totally, totally, you, yeah. Um, that, that cycle remains the same. It does, but you are able to change your mindset and the yeah. way you approach um, kind of each 
specific thing. I just I've, I try to be cognizant of um, what's going on and kind of the attention I'm taking in and making sure I take time to remember who I am and, you know, breathing and meditation and just um, try to stay more grounded and not letting, you know, the endless stream of public opinion and uh, criticism affect me in a negative way. Hurt somebody. Did you want that to be a number one smash? What were your expectations for it originally? Um, so I wrote I wrote the song with this amazing writer, Scott Harris. Um, he's a big deal. Who's like the sickest dude ever, and he's an amazing, obviously an amazing writer. He has a crazy discography. But uh, we walked out, we wrote it, and like we'd been that day in the session in Nashville, we had been writing this one song all day, and it was kind of like kind of shitty, and like we weren't really liking it at all. And then we were like, let's take a break and work something else. And in like 15 minutes. You know, we had written Hurt Somebody, and we walked out, and we were like, yeah, it's pretty cool. It sounds cool, you know, but it happened so quick and was kind of so nonchalant that we weren't, I don't know, I wasn't really convinced I was going to be hearing much more about it. I thought it was kind of like a nice <laughs> nice way to tie off the end of a songwriting session, and then, uh, then I mean, I guess the rest is history, you know. Like, <laughs> my manager was like, we love this song. I'm like, okay, like, cool, let's cut it, and then the radio station started picking it up, and my label loved it and put a lot of money on it, and people were listening to it and playing it. So it was, it was crazy. Was your expectation for that record to be yours, or did you want it to be for somebody else? Um, I mean, I could have, I could see it going to another artist. You know, I think it has kind of a universal appeal melodically. Um, but we hadn't really had a song that had kind of lifted the project to the next level. I feel like at that point, you know, we were building and building the song for like a great opportunity to great get a really catchy kind of unique song into the world that can, you know, open the door for me to have a bigger profile and release different music and have people, you know, kind of get down with the different in the music. Were you, you were a writer before you decided to be the public face of your music. Yeah, so I've been writing songs my whole life yeah. and um, I'd never, I didn't, I didn't really do much performing. Like I'd do like open mics and whatever and I'd play the Jason Mraz song and stuff at the open mic. <laughs> I'd be like the open mic host and my mom talking to each other. There's no one else in the restaurant. So I wasn't doing much like crazy <laughs> performing or anything. Well, I played at a public uh, town fair and wow. they were playing Bon Jovi on the speaker of the Ferris wheel right next to the stage, louder than my PA. So that was like <laughs> where my performing experience was. And so an, I was an honor to have you here. Yeah. <laughs> after <laughs> this that. is pretty, <laughs> this is crazy, man. Yeah. Um, definitely a step up from the f-ing town fair, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, my language. Um, but we, uh, but so I hadn't done much performing and I wasn't really ready for the performing aspect of it. I was kind of always like a songwriter. And so why, um, I don't know. I kind of just like I got. They were giving me a record deal. They're like, "Yeah, this is an artist deal, and you're gonna perform." And I was kind of like, "Okay, yeah, just tell me how to do it." And uh, you know, it's been a long learning process going from writing songs in, the, in my room and in the studio, and then having to perform them in front of thousands of people. So you didn't necessarily want to be an artist. You wanted to be an artist, but not in a public sense. I had no idea what I wanted. I think about that all the time. I don't. I didn't really know. I was kind of just like a kid from a, a really small town, and who was being hit up by people at labels and in the industry. And I had never met anyone in the music industry, you know, outside of the open mic host. So it was kind of crazy. Um, and Where I was, are you from? I'm from Stratford, Vermont. Cool. Yeah, it's like a town of thousand people, really small town. I know it. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, was, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I didn't know what the uh, ramifications of signing a record deal was. Realistically, I was like, you know, I'll probably do some music and be an artist. And, you know, I really wanted to be like James Bay and George Ezra and those guys. Because I was hearing them on the, on the radio at that time. And, um, I didn't realize how much went into being an actual artist and how much kind of exposure and, you know, really tough things you have to go through to, to make it happen. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, one, you got to become a performer and then two, you got to be okay with being vulnerable and opening yourself up to everything. Oh yeah. Totally. To criticism and to people who love your music and people who might not like your music. Totally public. Yeah. And dudes on the internet, on the sponsored ads who make fun of you and <laughs> everyone likes 
it and I just watch. I'm like, oh, great. This dude from Taiwan fucking hates my song. Perfect. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah, it can be it can be tough, you know, and I like I definitely don't like when people don't like my music. Like it sucks when they don't like it. But were you shopping yourself as an artist? Like how how did the label hear of you out of Vermont? That's a question that I don't really know the answer to. I was I just put my music on SoundCloud and I wasn't really promoting it because I didn't want my friends to make fun of me for being a musician. <laughs> I get it. And the cat's out of the bag now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, and I guess someone at a label at like an A and R at, at Universal found my songs on SoundCloud. This one song, Sync, that I'd written, and uh, um, reached out to a manager who hit me up, who I initially thought might be a sex offender because I was I was. <laughs> I was on SoundCloud. This dude was like, "Yeah, I want to come make you a star, and like, I do all these different acts, and I want to come to Vermont to meet you." And I was, I was really excited. But I told my mom, and she was like, "That dude wants to have sex with you, probably." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, That's the Northeast approach. Yeah, yeah, right. We were just a little guarded from a small town, but he actually ended up being. Um, he was a manager. He manages Young the Giant and a couple of great acts. And never heard of them. Uh, they're amazing. I'm Ama- kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> they came to, <laughs> and he came to Vermont and met my folks um, and then kind of shipped me out to L.A. to do some production stuff. And then we went to New York and auditioned for a few labels. And we auditioned at Republic Records. And like four hours later, they sent me like a deal offering. So it's all really quick and kind of whirlwindy. Wow. It sounds very yeah. like marriagey. Like he came, he met your parents, your parents right. signed him, yeah. you off. That's right. Yeah. He, he wooed my parents, <laughs> convinced them not to send me to college and then took me to New York. Um, so it all sounds really sketchy, but he's the greatest guy and kind of really opened the door for me to, to get a career in the music industry. Yeah, and to be an artist, which is, I don't know, that's a big deal. It's crazy, man. It's really cool. It's it's a dream, and um, I'm literally, literally living the dream that you have when you're a little kid looking in the bathroom mirror, <laughs> pretending to play and living it out, and he, he gave me the chance. So. Zach Sang Show. Hey, friends. Sorry for the interruption, but if you're considering going back to school, you should ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Two, do you have college credits that you need transferred? Three, do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Arizona State University is the perfect school for you. Arizona State University offers over 150 highly ranked degree programs, 100% online. You're going to earn the same degree that you want on campus from wherever you are, totally on your schedule. That's awesome. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits, so it's easy. If you want more information, text Zach, Z-A-C-H, to 35517. That is Zach to 35517, so you can learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. And you ready for this? You'll also find out why 87% of ASU grads are recruited within 90 days of graduation. That's, like, really impressive. Like, like, honestly, I kind of want to go back to school. Learn to grow, learn to succeed, and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. To learn more about ASU Online degree programs, text Zach to 35517. That is Z-A-C-H to 35517. Okay, let's get back to this interview. Zach Sang Show. Was there a part of you between Hurt Somebody and Mess because of what had happened with the success of Hurt Somebody where you thought of maybe just writing music instead of performing it too? I think I was definitely inwardly not wanting that again, Hurt Somebody again, at least right away. Um, I was kind of coming off of it and I was just kind of coming to terms with how freaked out I was by everything, how overwhelming it all was. By the success. By the success, yeah. And by what, and, and it wasn't that I was disappointed in the success or that I didn't like it or wasn't grateful for it because every day I'm grateful for what Hurt Somebody did for my career and for my life. But 
I think just the reality, day-to-day reality of having a hit song in a country and having to travel to Australia where it was doing so well all the time and come back to Vermont and then be on tour. And it was, I was kind of just like, I don't know how much longer I can handle this mentally without kind of losing a part of myself that I, I really value. So, But does that hold you back from creating another hit record? No, I don't think so. I think it makes me um, reevaluate what I want to be writing about and the kind of music I want to be making. And, um, you know, you play this song, when you have a hit song, you're playing it thousands and thousands of times. So I always try to put as much thought and as much love as I can into each song. So if I do have to play it a lot and if it does have success, I can be happy doing that. And it wasn't that I wasn't happy with Hurt Somebody, but it wasn't a song I was expecting to blow up at all, you know? What song were you expecting to blow up? I was really hoping uh, the song Young Blood was going to do well. Oh, that's a great record, too. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. I love that song. Yeah, I, me too, man. And it means so much to me. And uh, It did well, though. It did well. Yeah, it did well. But I wasn't. I, I played it way less. I heard somebody in Young Blood's just so much easier to play, you know? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's easier on my fingers. It's easy, it, it hurts my fingers less. It's easier to sing, you know? So um, that one would definitely have been a little more convenient for me, but... That sounds kind of selfish. What what void do you think you fill in music? Um, in terms of like the zeitgeist, the music industry, well, like like, the climate of pop, and like when I hear heard your records for the first time, I was like, "Whoa, this is like some Rob Thomas, some Train type stuff." Like it brought me back to like Hot AC, WPLJ. That's what I grew up with. Yeah, and that's like uh, like that's what my mom would listen to. They played like the Fray and the Goo Goo Dolls, yeah, for sure. And Snow Patrol and Rob Thomas and John Mayer, for you know? sure. Yeah, like that kind of energy. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, like stories, but it's guitar-based pop. Right, I've always been inspired by just guitar and vocal. Um, or just like storytelling has been such a big part of my life. My mom's an author. Oh, cool. Um, and I grew up listening to Paul Simon and Cat Stevens and the Counting Crows, who could really you know, tell a great story. <gasps> yes. And um, I think that kind of just found its way into um, my instincts as a songwriter. And uh, yeah, I think in terms of filling a void, it's hard to kind of see that when you're in your own mind and yeah. kind of it's hard to have a perspective on that but I I think honest storytelling and vulnerability um, in music and in, in your songwriting has kind of found its way into the pop music culture and zeitgeist right now you know with artists like Julia Michaels who can access anxiety and insecurities and make them relatable and, mm. and uh, tangible for people it's authenticity people right. don't want manufactured I mean I think they want it to a certain degree and you can only deal with so much of it yeah, I think it's I think it's tough, and I think from a personal perspective as an artist, I think it's it's no fun making manufactured music, and um, it's cool when you can be honest with yourself and have that lead you to success without having to change who you are. Do you when you write most of your songs, like if you look at Young Blood or Hurt Somebody, did those records start alone, or did those start in sessions where you were with somebody else? Um, most of the time, with the the writing I like to do is I like to bring in lyrical concepts melodic ideas, um, kind of a, a nice foundation for a song, and then bring it in and have the expertise of somebody else who can see it from their perspective, kind of advise and, and uh, instruct the process to finish it. So, um, cool. Yeah, I like, to, I like to kind of be personal as I came with lyrics and hold lyrics really close to me as I'm writing. Um, but, you know, there's, you're working with people who are really talented and kind of geniuses, so that you, you like to hear their perspective and, and let them guide the process. At what part is it cool to hear their perspective like at what stage do lyrics need to be done for you to bring somebody else in i think that the core story of the song should be done um especially if it's about a personal experience because it's hard for a co-writer who doesn't know who you are or know the experience to come in and tell you to change yeah 
Like, change that part about when you're in the second grade. That didn't happen, you know? You know, they have no idea. So you, you want to write this, this story down and then bring it into somebody who can structurally change it or, like, maybe put a more vulnerable lyric in one place or a melody in the chorus that could be hit more hard or kind of speak to the whole concept of the song more, so. Is there any part of you that doesn't want to write other people's stories ever again? I think there's a part. I think there's a part of me that would. I think it would be difficult for me to um, approach a song that I wasn't singing for myself because a lot of the music is really personal and there are a lot. A lot of it's based from real life experiences. But um, I think it's cool as a cool exercise to write songs specifically for somebody else um, because you're allowed to access a different part of your songwriting muscle, um, which is important. And being prolific is something I, I really value myself on. I'm writing all the time, hmm. and a lot of times I kind of think about another person's. Uh, project as I'm writing, thinking this could be a song for them, or I think this song really? would sound cool for this person. Yeah, I do. I even while you're writing for yourself, or just writing as an exercise? Yeah, even when I'm writing for myself, and sometimes it's like, all right, well, this is actually a great song, so maybe <laughs> I'll just take it, you know? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. What are you thinking over there? Nothing. I'm just listening and learning. Dude, it's fascinating. Yeah. Because the records are like, I, I don't know, I, I feel like it's been a while since I've heard music like this. That's why I, one, wanted to have you in, but two, why I think you're different. I, I think... Uh, the world hasn't had, I know Rob Thomas just released more music, but like, where are they at? Like, where's the next generation versions of the Goo Goo Dolls? You know what I mean? Where's the fray, bro? Where is the fray? <laughs> I, I, I was asking somebody, I was at like a diner and I was like, that song was great. They released like six like smash songs in the year and I was like, wait. How to Save a Life. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched Grey's Anatomy in a while, so maybe. But you know what? That <laughs> record, that show started that band. Totally, man. Like, they were at, they, that, but, uh. Cable car song yes. was there, and then like and they blew up, and I was a, I'm like a huge fan of the fray. And you do wonder like where, where do they go? You know where are they at? I know Rob Thomas is back, but like that music for our generation hasn't really taken on a new form. Um, but maybe it is, and I just don't know because it's a new form, and I can't. I'm not aware of it. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do. I think it's kind of like that was all on the radio. That kind of stuff was going on the radio, and you don't hear so much of it anymore. So maybe that's why we feel like it's disappearing a bit. Um, who do you care about? Like, you look at Quinn92, like, you didn't need to do that one, that collaboration. He hit you up, you hit him up? He, so, through Scott Harris, who helped me write Hurt Somebody, um, Scott and Quinn had written the song that was a really awesome and, like, really funny concept for a song, you know, kind of, like, making fun of the insecure tough guy and, like, <laughs> kind of approaching that world. Um, and Quinn uh, reached out to me over, I think, Twitter and was like, hey, like, What's up, man? He followed me. You know when they follow you, like, someone's coming, you know? They're going to reach out to me or like something of mine eventually. Um, and he reached out, and he was like, yo, I love, like, your music, and I would love to have you writing this song. And I was like, oh, my God. So um, he sent me the track, and I was, like, sitting in my room, and I just started writing down, like, funny, insecure gym guy things. And uh, it worked out like clockwork. I'd never met him before. Wow. Um, and I was a huge fan of his throughout high school and, and beyond, so it was really cool. And I just like to work with people that are cool and have cool music, and regardless of what it's going to do for me or, or their career, you know? What stage was the song at when it, you got it? He had, like, the whole song, like, the bones of the whole song, and then there was, like, a space for a verse. Like, I had, like, pretty much four lines, and I just wrote the four lines, then I went in and cut uh, a couple, like, ad-libs over the chorus and cut my vocal in, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty easy process. Wow. It's, like, super easy to feature on people's songs these days. Like, the Julia Michaels Hurt Somebody feature was, like, very like she cut the vocal over the song that had already been recorded and then sent it to us and that was that was it 
had someone mix it, and that's it. Yeah. What? I feel like people expect it to be, like, both in the studio, and you're both on each side of the mic, like, looking in each other's eyes, like, you cut the vocal. Yeah, no, that's, that's what that's, people want. I know. I wanted that, too. I was like, oh, this is going to be sweet. We're going to do, do, do duets. It's like, oh, I just got an email, and now that song is done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does that happen? Does she reach out to you? Um, so she and her manager, I believe, reached out to mine. Uh, Heard Somebody came out as a single initially. It was just me playing it. Yeah. Um, and she reached out, and... She's like she loved she loved the song and she wanted to cut a vocal on it and you know she cut a really cool vocal and her voices actually sounded really cool together and we repackaged it and released it as part of my EP. Did she write that separate? Yeah. No, no. So I wrote I me and Scott and I wrote the whole song and then. So she just cut vocals on it. She didn't add any lyrics to no, it. No, she just came on and cut vocals. Oh wow! Which was cool and that was like a pretty cool compliment because she's such an obviously amazing songwriter. So it's yeah. cool to have her come and like be chill with like singing my lyrics and embody your story. Yeah, it was really crazy, and I didn't realize how crazy it was until like I heard her actually singing on it. It's like, oh my god, that's Julia Michaels on my track. That's nuts. That's pretty sick. And have you met her in person? Yeah, I met her one time in um, California, Napa. We were doing like one of those like uh, play for radio station supervisors, things. right? Oh. Exactly. Yeah, the trip. I was in like triple A, very yeah. hot AC thing. So I met her there, um, and she's really, really cool, really sweet, and I was a little starstruck, but it was really cool to meet her. Wow, look at that. Living the dream, man. One meeting and you get a record with Julia Michaels. I know, dude. If that's how it works for everybody, then sick. You're doing something right, man. Yeah, yeah. I guess so, man. It's been crazy. It's it's crazy uh, to have her like her stamp of approval and have Quinn's kind of stamp of approval on on my own project. It's been really cool, and I'm just honored for all of it. It's powerful stuff. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's awesome. One day you pass that pass that on. You oh, totally. One day you give your own stamp of approval to somebody on the rise. Yeah, right now I'm not sure how much that would mean. It's like, Noah Khan loves my song. There's like, what are you talking about? Who, <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Can somebody Google this guy? He just liked my, my tweet. Yeah, someday, man. I'm always, you know, there's a lot of great musicians, especially coming out of where, I've, where I'm from in New England, that I'm always kind of reaching out to and trying to connect with. And, you know, I think it's cool to make music within your own community and Hell yeah. remember where you came from. Mess, that obviously sets up an EP, an album. What is it going to be? It's going to be the record album out June 14th, I believe. Uh, so some time. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I guess it's like your life's work when the album comes out, the first album, because even all the songs have been you've been creating for your entire life, and it's your first record, and it's the first real packaged product that the world gets to see from you. So it's exciting. It's kind of scary, and I mean, I'm pissing my pants right now, but <laughs> currently, that's fine. That's your guys' problem after I leave. Yeah, you can take that cushion with you. <laughs> um, is Hurt Somebody on the album? It is, yeah. Uh, Youngblood too? Youngblood as well. Wow, so how many records you got on this album altogether? So, uh, I believe it's 10 songs, five that have already been released, um, and then five that nobody's heard yet. Ooh. So, yeah, it's cool. It's exciting. Will we trickle out a couple more before June? I think we're just going right for the right for the release, I believe. Giddy up. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's kind of it's kind of like a lot of you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticism a little bit or not not in a negative way or a positive way, but it's like you're That's about to get a lot of opinions, you know what I mean? So I'm excited to see how it reacts in the world because I've been living with these songs for so long. It's 100% done. You know exactly what songs are going to be on it. Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. And June 14th, that's the right date. June 14th is the right date for me. You know, sometimes it gets pushed back. Like, I think we were going to release it on the week before, but I think, like, another big record's coming out or something. And so, you know, no, you want the right time. You want the right time, and they you got to trust the, the people in charge of that kind of stuff because I have no idea. <laughs> Do you have a name for the album? Yeah, it's called Busy Head. Busy um, Head. Yeah, which is a song on the record, but it kind of embodies the spirit of the record a little bit. Um, it's kind of a funny story. It's I, When I was in high school, I got... We were a bunch of small-town kids. We were all bored as shit all the time, so we were drinking and smoking or whatever. You know how it is. And uh, 
we would all get like arrested by the cops who had nothing else to do besides like write citations. Yeah. And so I was on like my second or third time getting caught and they sent you to a diversions counselor who is like a person who you go to to get it expunged from your record essentially, which is really, this is really ironic. I'm talking about it publicly right now. Um, don't listen, <laughs> diversions officer. Uh, but they basically ask you a bunch of questions about your mental health and like substance and kind of like personality traits and they put you into like three categories and if you strike yes on a lot of the answers uh they put you into the busy head category and uh that's where i got put in so i thought that would kind of embody the story a little bit you're a busy head yeah yeah, i think so that's a bad thing i i don't i don't maybe not necessarily i think it just means i'm thinking all the time and uh i think that has its negative and positive outcomes yeah you make music right right that's pretty positive yeah it's positive because i'm able to share my message with people and choose to use my struggles to uplift others um but you know having a busy head can be negative because you're always in your head and sometimes not able to experience the reality of the situation you're in but your awareness of who and what you are makes everything a lot easier absolutely because then you can you can be proactive you can fix things that are in the cons section right yeah being able to see yourself clearly is a really kind of unique or not maybe not unique but really interesting um i say gift because you can access like you said, the ability to fix the parts you don't like yeah. um, and, you know, ex- extenuate the parts you do like. But that's like, it's what everybody says. The first step to solving a problem is admitting you have one, right? Uh, so absolutely. It's admitting where you lack and where you need support that then allows you to, I don't know, navigate in a more efficient, stress-free, but also like positively impactful way. Absolutely, man. Yeah, totally. <sighs> no con. Come back in June and hang out with us for this album, dude. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the show. This is really sweet. Mikasa, Sukasa, do we have any collaborations on this album? Is that Julia Michaels' record going to be on it? Yep, Julia Julia's on my record. Big deal. Big deal. Uh, but it's not a record. Uh, you say record. I say records are individual songs. It's an album. Yeah, what's the, de- what's LP, the f- EP, whatever. The final the word on that. Is it record? So. Is a like the vinyl? You know, I don't understand how it works. The way, uh, every time I Google it, because I always get self-conscious when I say it often and I want to reassure myself that I'm saying the right thing, a record refers to any single piece of music. It's not a collection of songs. It's one single piece of music. I think people say record because we assume that the vinyls are records and they house many songs. Oh, right. But a record is a single record, single song. I think it would be called an LP, right? Um, And then an EP is obviously a shorter one off of the single are you Googling it? Can you define it? I'm looking it up. But I'm almost positive. Because really, I say it often and people make fun of me and I'm like, no. I'm yeah. telling you, yeah, I'm no not idea. crazy here. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. So yeah, album or I LP. Trust all you, I, I don't trust all UK people, but you know, those radio people in the UK, they go, oh, I'm going to spin all record for you. And then they just record, right, yeah. record, record, record. They sound really confident when they say it, so I just believe them, you know? <laughs> That's how it rubbed off on me. Yeah. <laughs> True. Zane Lowe, thank you for that. You got it? I'm still looking. Okay. Um, Noah Khan, come back for the album. June 14th, Julia Michaels, collaboration. Anybody else? Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Wow. Keeping it guarded. Tight-lipped. Is it a done? Like, these collaborations are done? Yeah. Cool. Wow. No chance you can add somebody else on at the last second. Or somebody can hear a record of yours and be like, I need to be on this. I mean... That would be sweet. I would release it right now if that were the case. Like, everyone, please collaborate. I need your help. And post it on Instagram because I don't have a lot of followers. So help me out. <laughs> Does that stress you out, not having a huge social following? Um, I mean, it's not really. I guess, like, it kind of kind of sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I was, like, 
it's a lot of work. You have to be really active on social media and like have to be hyping yourself up a lot. And uh, it's super helpful to have a bunch of people following you. But uh, eh, it's not the, my, my biggest concern. Um, but it probably will end up being more of a problem for me along the road. Music yeah. comes first. Music comes first. As long as that is first, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, if you can market this face here, guys, then you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> then you are a genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Noah Khan, everybody. Thanks All for right. having me, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.